0: Thanks for listening in to The Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to continue through this series, and part 3 is today. We're going to start in chapter 2. We already finished chapter 1 over the last two weeks. and uh, Today, I think uh, the lesson we're going to learn of what Paul is writing is actually extremely important. A lot of people want to live happy in this world. Anybody want to be happy in this life? Uh, not a lot of people live in But anybody want to be happy in this life? We want happiness. We want joy. But there's circumstances. That want to rob us of our joy. And not only circumstances, there's also other things that want to rob us of our joy. And this is what Paul is going to talk about as we continue through chapter 2. Read verse 1 with me. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above what? Yourselves. It says, not looking out to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Said, I want you to look to the interest of others. Verse 5, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a what? Of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross therefore God has now exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I get an amen right there church? That's a good spot for an amen. The first 11 verses of chapter 2, I want to talk to you about that, try to unpack it for you in the next 20, 25 minutes, and if the Holy Spirit falls, we'll go three hours, it'll be awesome, but I write this down, I want to talk to you out of the subject, climb down, climb down, climb down, and this is what Paul is trying to tell us in the beginning of chapter 2 as he's writing to his friends, climb down, and I hope you're taking notes, remember what we said last week, if you take a lot of notes, it's better for you in heaven, they check them in heaven, the more notes, the better the VIP package, and so... But I think uh, we just don't want our Sunday to be blessed. We want our Monday through Saturday to be blessed. And going through the word of God and going through some notes, I think, can help us all. And so I I pray you're taking notes, leaning in a little bit. We're going to talk about this, discuss this, and then we'll worship Jesus at the end. And then have an amazing Mother's Day the rest of the day. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and ask God to bless today. Father, we thank you uh, for this morning. Thank you for every single mom here in this auditorium overflow at the 9 11 1, 7 God, thank you for our families here, our, our, the Calvary community. God, I thank you for every single mom who, who has worked so hard, God, all of their lives to raise men and women of God. Thank you for their sacrifice. Thank you for their hard work. Thank you for their dedication. God, we want to honor them today. God, we pray a special blessing over their lives today. Help us to honor them not just today but every day, God. Uh, God, we realize we should always honor our parents But today, make it special for them, God. We pray that you would continue to give them strength and grace. And, God, uh, God, that you would help them in any circumstance that they may find themselves today. Thank you that we do have the best families and communities, God, in the world. God, we thank you for this church. Have your way today as we talk about the book of Philippians. God, open up our eyes to see you for who you are and what you want to tell us through this letter. And uh, thank you that the rain has stopped, the sun has come out, and the whole world is envious that we live in the best city in the world. In Jesus' name, all God's people say. Come on, all God's people say. 11 a.m., can you give God a big shout one more time? Come on. Let me, let me ask a question. Anybody in here, do people annoy you? Do people annoy you? Anybody in here, do, do people annoy you? Let me see, honest, honest truth. Okay, we need to pray for Calvary one more time. And I don't know if that's a good question to start off with, but, but anybody know what it's about? Do people get on your nerves? People get on your nerves, right? Like there's just something about humanity that sometimes people get on our last nerve. Have you ever gone inside an elevator and there's somebody inside the elevator fighting with somebody on the phone to the top of their lungs and the last thing you want to hear is all of their business? And has that ever happened to anybody? Just me. Okay, pray for me then. Okay, I'm sorry. Don't judge me right now. Pray for me. Have you ever been in line at the bank or at a park, at a roller coaster, and people decide to skip you in a line after doing two hours? It's the absolute worst and right there you don't love humanity, you want God to bring down a curse upon humanity. (laughs) Never forget, one time we were in New York City in a subway, and the subway was completely, completely packed. And me and my brother were sitting down. And somebody decided to come sit right next to us and open up this food. It was like a soup bowl. It was a huge soup bowl. It was spilling everywhere. As the, And we were right there. like we, It was tight. This soup is spilling everywhere. And they, didn't care they had their headphones on, and they were having their home dinner right on this subway, spilling all over me and my brother. And this thing, it, the whole subway smelled like whatever demonic thing they had in that bowl. And the last thing you want to think about right there is loving humanity. How many know that people can be irritating? Let me ask you this. Has anybody ever robbed you of your happiness or of your joy? You know, people can rob you of your happiness and your joy. If they can, if you allow them to. Let me me ask you this way. Has anybody this week robbed you of your joy? Don't look at them. They're probably right next to you right now. Come on. If you've had... (laughs) saw a couple heads like, mm mm-hmm. <laughs> You robbed my joy on the way over here. <laughs> I mean, you know, people can rob us of our joy because people can be aggravating. People can have attitudes. Come on, let's be truthful. Some of us are aggravating. Some of us, come on. <laughs> Mm-mm, not me, no, 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 not me. Come on, we, we can rob each other of our joy. And so what do we do? What's the answer? Do we, do, we, do we live by ourselves? Do we isolate and live by ourselves to avoid humanity? Well, I'll just go into isolation. I heard somebody say, well, even if you go live by yourself, you're still going to be arrogant, pride, prideful. You're still going to be stuck up all by yourself in an island all by yourself with all your issues. Because people are there to help you with their issues, not so you can be stuck up with their issues. Right. Isolation is not the answer. But a lot of times we only focus on the negative. Oh, people, people give me a headache. Some of my family members, they're hard to deal with. Some of these people in my job, I mean, I can't stand them. I mean, God, help! if we focus on the negative, we're going to want to isolate. But how many know people can also bring positives? Come on, people can also bring joy to our life. Some of us right now, as I begin to say this, you can begin to think of some of the best memories you have with family and friends. You go back to those college years. You go back to to that time all of you took a vacation together and you still have memories. And you still will crack up to this day of some of the times you had together with family and friends. Come on, people can bring good times. People can bring joy. People can bring warmth. People can bring comfort in times of pain. So not only focus on the negative, focus on the positive. As we see then, isolation will kill the soul, but community will actually fill the soul. Come on, as we think about good times that we have, anybody grateful that we had good people here in church, maybe a connect group that you've joined, and you're like, man, I'm so thankful because when I was going through it, when I was down and out, when nobody believed in my marriage, when nobody believed in my life, I had people next to me that prayed for me, that laid their hands on me, come on, that spoke life over me. Come on, anybody thankful for good community? I God, I'm thankful that maybe some people have aggravated me, but other people have blessed my life. Some of us in here, we can say, man, when I had no money, when I was broke, I had some friends that got together and they blessed my life. Right. Man, and when I was at, when nobody believed in me, I had some friends that came and spoke God's truth over my life. So people can also bring happiness and joy in, my, in your life. So, so what do we do? What do we do? Do we either isolate or do we join a community? Because there's always going to be issues. Where people are, there's always going to be issues. This is what Paul is writing now to the church in Philippi. This is a church that has together. These are his friends, his family, a church that he started 11 years before this letter. 11 years removed he is now in a roman household that is like a prison he's chained down to a roman guard and his friend has come by with a love offering with a gift for paul They're like hey remember that church that you started 11 years ago they love you they know that you're in need they know that you're in jail and so they send you this gift it is a monetary gift anybody love ma- monetary gifts yeah. all the moms right now are like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> by the way you just don't say you love somebody you show you love somebody you have to bring some honor There has to be some honor in that honorarium you want to give somebody in their life. You you want to honor somebody, it has to cost some money out of your pocket. Don't say you just love your mom. Don't say you just love your spouse. Take them out to eat today, not to McDonald's. Take them to a nice restaurant and honor moms today. So the, the church is not just like, hey, we love you, Paul. No, they actually send a sacrifice of love to Paul. Paul receives this monetary gift and He's overwhelmed. He's so thankful. But he doesn't just receive this good news. He also receives some bad news. They're like, Paul, I brought you a report. A church is going good. Attendance is great. Um, everything's going all right. We got some, some new greeters. They're awesome. New parking team. They're going great. Um, Philippi, it's growing. The city's going awesome. But, but, but there's some issues going on in Philippi. Um, two ladies, they got into an argument in church. And we're going to read this in just a couple chapters in a couple weeks. Two ladies have gotten into an argument, and division has came into the church. And there's this arguing, and there's this fighting. I think one lady stole the parking spot from another lady, and uh, they got in trouble. And then one greeter gave her a stank face, and they couldn't take a picture on Mother's Day at the photo booth. And it's just, thank God that only happens in Philippi, not here. But uh, all these kinds of issues are happening. So Paul says, wait, there's some issues going on. Let me write to try to correct this issue that is happening in Philippi because there's some fights. How many know that fights can happen in our life today? Some of you on the way over here, you're like, girl, if you tell me one more thing, I'm going to turn this car around right now. We're going to have a Mother's Day at home. And uh, people can get on our nerves, and, and people can be annoying, and Paul is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Paul is saying, wait a minute, don't forget that there's a blessing that comes with community, don't forget that there's a blessing that comes with unity, no matter what may, try to, may, 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 be, may be trying to attack you, no matter what may be trying to separate you, and bring the vision, fight for unity, because it's worth it, and so Paul is writing to this church, and he's saying, hey, if there's any encouragement, look at this, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 verses, I mean chapter 2 verses 1 through uh, 2. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort of his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind." He says, if being in community has blessed your life. If you've had some common good times, if you've shared in the spirit, then be of one mind and one I like the way the message puts it. Eugene Peterson puts it like this. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Paul sounds like my father when me and my brother were fighting in the back of the car. My dad would turn around, and he would say, if you have a heart, por Dios te lo suplico, stop fighting. How many many remember that? Mom and dad, they would turn around and say, for the love of God, can you stop fighting? If you've had any encouragement in Jesus. Has anybody in here been blessed by the community that there is in Jesus? If you've had any common sharing, if, if you've been there for one another, if you've have, had comfort, then do me a favor, Paul is saying. Uh, Paul is going into his dad tone. He's going into a spiritual father mode. Remember, he was the one that started this church. He is the spiritual father of these people. He, he's the one that started this community. They love him. They know him. And he's saying, hey, do me a favor. Stop the arguing. Stop the fighting. Because it is not worth it. The church is doing too much good for you to let something on the inside begin to corrupt what God is trying to do. How many know that we just don't have external circumstances trying to rob our joy? We also have internal circumstances. Some of us, we talked about last week, there's outside pressure trying to come into our life, trying to break our spirit. And if you can overcome that, then God bless you. It is amazing. We're going to do this together. But Paul is saying, wait a minute. Sometimes you're going to have some inner turmoil as well. Come on, how many of us, we've gotten over a job loss. We've gotten over a sickness. We've gotten over an external circumstance. And all of a sudden, turmoil begins in the house. All of a sudden, a fight breaks out of marriage. All of a sudden, something happens in your soul, and there's all these issues on the, on, on the inside. Paul is saying, hey, not only are you going to have external problems, you're going to have internal problems as well. What do you do when there's turmoil on the inside? What do you do? How I many you know that the battle begins in the mind? The battle begins in the mind. Sometimes some thoughts are going to come to your mind that you're like, where did that come from? I was just singing joy. I was just singing In Your Hands by Nate. I was having the best week ever. And all of a sudden, my soul just feels a certain way. All of a sudden, I'm getting these thoughts. All of a sudden, I'm I'm fighting with my wife. All of a sudden, I'm fighting with my husband. All of a sudden, something's just not right inside of me. If you can win it in your mind, you can win it in your life. The battle is in the mind. And Paul is saying, "Hey, hey, cut it out. There's some already there's already some false teachers around. There's already some persecution going on on the outside. Be careful with what can happen on the inside. You got to fight to unite. Write that down if you're taking notes. Number 1. We have to understand. Number 1, write this down. Kill the pride and fight to unite. Pride comes from the inside. Pride begins to creep up in our lives and begins to say, "Hey, you're right. They're wrong." Hey, In that argument with your husband, you're right, he's wrong. Some of you right now, nudging your husband. (laughs) Hey, in that fight that happened at work, you're right, and they're wrong. Paul is saying, be careful with the inside turmoil that can happen. All of a sudden, the enemy will want to creep up in a church, in a marriage, in a relationship. And all of a sudden, division begins to break out. And all of a sudden, the joy begins to go. You want happiness in your life. How many know all, the root of all sin, it begins with pride? Because we want our pleasure, we want our right, we want to win every argument. You have to understand this, pride always divides. Pride is never going to unite. Pride always divides. You get into an argument with your wife, right? Let's just say, I know none of you here fight with your wife, but let's just say you fight with your wife. Let's just say there's a discussion. And, and you're like, honey, that, that's not what happened. Remember that night what happened was that I did blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. No, no, babe, babe, no, what happened that night, your, your wife was like, no, what happened that night was that you did so-and-so-and-so. Babe, babe, you're not, you don't recall the story, right? Let me tell you, it was like this, and I'm the head of the household, and this is it, punto, se acaba aquí. Um, what happened was pride... <laughs> pride is always going to divide. If one of you gives in and say, you know what, babe, I don't really remember, but you know what, you're right, let's just finish this off. Oh, my God, right there, healing will come in, unity will happen, you'll be a stronger marriage, and you can celebrate that day. But pride will want to come and divide and say, nope, right here, now division has happened because pride is blind. Pride is blind. Don't ever let pride be your guide because it's completely blind. It, It is blind. You're going to walk around saying, I'm right, and they're wrong. I'm right, and she's wrong. Paul is saying, in the church, there's some division. There's some fighting going on. Cut it out. Don't be prideful and fight to unite. He's saying, I want you to be in one spirit of one mind. I want you to be united. There's something powerful happens when you come together and unite. Because together, we will never be conquered. Divided, we can be overtaken. In your marriage, if you and your wife, if you and your husband stick together, in a relationship, if you, if you stick together you say, hey, we're not going to let nothing come between us. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're broke. It doesn't matter if you're living in a shelter. It doesn't matter what comes against you. It doesn't matter if both of you lose your job. If you say we are in this together, it's us against the world. We're going to trust God. We're going to put our hope in Jesus. You don't let nothing divide you. Nothing will be ever be able to overtake you. But you let pride get in the way. You let some pride get in the way, all of a sudden your marriage is divided, relationships divided. All of, some of us today, we need to kill the pride inside of our life. Say, wait, 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 wait is, is there some pride? Funny thing with pride is you don't even know when it creeps in. Pride? pride? I don't got no pride. I'm a great guy. <laughs> Never been an inch of pride in my life. Nope. I actually think my wife is prideful, not me. <laughs> you got some pride in you. Pride creeps in when we least know it. Pride will break up a church. All of a sudden, a fight will break out in the church. All of a sudden, an argument will, will break out in the church, and, and I'm not going to say sorry. You're not going to say sorry. All of a sudden, rumors and gossip begins. Be careful with what pride can cause. Paul says, I want you to be of one spirit and one mind. Some people in here this morning, you and your wife need to be of one spirit and one mind. Actually, when Paul says one spirit in the Greek, what he's saying is be of one soul, so tied together. The church, if the church is going to do anything powerful in Miami, if we as Calvary, we're going to do anything awesome in Miami, we got to be of one soul, one spirit, one mind. We're not going to be divided, going in five different ways. We're going to say, hey, we're in this together. We're going to fight for the vision. We're going to do the work. We're not going to fight and separate. Look who they put on the parking team now. Oh, my God. Can't stand her. We'll never do any damage to the city of Miami by bickering rumors and gossip. You want your marriage to overcome some stuff? Kill the pride and fight to unite. Paul continues to talk in verses 3 and 4. We could put them up. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Somebody say humility. Humility. humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Go back to, to verse 3 really quick. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. You know what that is? You, you ever had, me and my brother never did it, but you know, maybe some of your kids, they ever came up to you and said, Dad, you're the best dad in the world. I love you. I love you. You're amazing. Um, you, you didn't give me $100 so I can go out with my friends. <laughs> selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition value others above yourself in humility humility paul is saying hey hey church in philippi and i believe that through the holy spirit it it relates to us here today hey church calvary in miami i I want you to be humble oh that's a word we we sometimes don't like it's a word that we think we already are i am humble i am humble (laughs) come on do you know who i am (laughs) i am humble Paul is saying, be humble, sit down. Be humble. He's saying, humble. You know what what humble is? Humble is thinking of yourself less. C.S. Lewis said, humility is thinking of yourself less, not thinking less of yourself. Humility is not walking into a marriage, into a relationship, into a situation and saying, I'm the worst human being. Oh, my God, I'm I'm just the worst. Don't even look at me. I'm I'm not worthy. I'm horrible. Don't look at me. No. Humility is knowing that you got some strength but knowing that you got some weaknesses too. And humility is saying, you know what, I'm not just going to think of myself all the time. I'm actually going to put other people before me. Whoa. That sometimes messes up with our mind because we live in a world that's all about me, me, me. Number two, what we have to do is think less of ourselves and think more of others. I wonder if sometimes in our marriage, in our relationships, we could think of our spouses before we think of us. Ooh, how would that improve our marriages? If we say, you know what, I'm going to put my wife first in every, I'm going to think of her in every single circumstance of the day. How can I please her? How can I help her? How can I, in what situation can I I put her first? What would that do in your job if you say, you know what, I'm going to stop trying to get that job promotion and stop trying to be the prideful one here. I'm actually be humble. How can I help somebody here at my job? Think of somebody else. Value others more than you. Paul is saying, I want you to ditch the me and think of we. Whoa. No, we like me. It's all about me, me, me. What can I get out of this? What can I get out of this circumstance? Paul is saying, wait, wait, wait. I want you to think of others. Now you gotta understand this to the Roman culture that he's writing to the city of Philippi, it actually makes no sense. To them, it is actually offensive to think and to say to value other people above you. Because in the Roman culture, you were the top value. You had to fight for your own. In the Roman culture, there was there was like this social ladder. I'm gonna ask Mo, Mo, if you can bring up this ladder. Didn't know we had a ladder prepared. Thank you so much. Mo, there was this social ladder in the Roman culture. Thank you, Mo. Anybody love Mo? Come on, can we give Mo a hand? He's single and looking too, by the way, just saying. But, but in, in the Roman culture, there's this ladder, and it's this social ladder. And, and Paul is saying, I want you to value all people more than yourself. I think we got a graph right here that we can show us kind of what it worked like in Roman culture it started down at the bottom, down at the bottom, if you were at the bottom of the social ladder, you were a slave you you didn't own no property you you, you really didn't make no money you, you didn't own anything like you, you just served somebody else, you were a servant for most of your life and if you were able to climb up a little bit, you can become what's called a freedman. If you can become a freedman, that means you, you now made a little bit more money and, and you bought your freedom and and maybe you can purchase something and and maybe you were starting to come up a little bit. You could maybe start your own business. And, and in Roman culture, it was like, okay, they, they got a little bit of respect. Go a little bit higher. That's so what we call the plebeians. And they were the lower class. They, they, they had to pay some taxes. They actually made money. One of the big differences between them and freedmen was that they had better transportation. At that level, you can actually own a horse. It's funny that in, that, in those days, they actually judged people according to their transportation. We don't, we don't do that today. Doesn't this relate to the world we live in today? You see what they're driving? <laughs> Pray for them. They're in need. They drive that car because we, we function the same way. We, we look down on people that are down at the bottom of the social ladder. If you got to the top, if you were part of the Senate, if you were part of the people that, that made the most money, oh, that, that was, it was a very status-centered society, much like the world we live in today. Right? We live in a world that wants to, wants to make it to the top. Right? It's, it's, it's survival of the fittest and, and I'm going to do whatever I can to make it to the top. and I, I might have I started at the bottom but now I'm here and, and I'm, I'm making my way up and, and I'm fighting for mine and, and I'm trying to make my own money and I'm trying to own my own business and look at me now. Now, now I'm getting close. Mo, I hope you put this ladder right. I'm just saying. <laughs> and, and I'm getting closer to the top and If I can make it to the top, Jesus, help me. This is where we want to live. We want to live up here because we live up here. My God, we got status. We got a name. People recognize us. We can walk around Miami and people know who we are. (laughs) See how many likes I get on Instagram? See how many retweets I get on Twitter? People know me. I I got status. I got fame. I I got a name. So what we do, humanity does. It's not, I'm not the same. I mean, humanity does. We look down on people that are under in the ladder. Right? Like we get to the top and we're like, look at them. Serve me. You're not like me. You're not like me. What Paul is saying is actually an insult to Roman culture because what he's saying is value people under higher than you. One of the biggest insults you can do in Roman culture is not just... Not just value people, but it's actually now begin to lower yourself. Now, now you begin to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to let go of my status. I'm going to let go of my name, my fame. I'm going to go down to the ladder. That, that's, that makes no sense. How? You were, you were there. How could you come down to the bottom? You, you let go of rights. You let go of status. You let go of fame. You let go of names. Prestige. To go down to the bottom? Don't you know that once you're up there, people have to serve you? Don't you know that once you're up there, you're always right? Don't don't you know that once you're up there, you don't say sorry? Don't you know that once you're up there, people better ask you for forgiveness? We're the same today. Come on, if we can be honest, church, this is who we are. We're up here. And we like to be up here. And you're like, to say hi? I mean, I'm not... Do you know? I don't know them. I'm not going to say hi to nobody. I can't be a greeter. They should be saying hi to me. The door should open by themselves when I walk into this church. <laughs> Cue the music. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in my marriage, you think, you think I'm going to say sorry? I'm not going to go down a level and say sorry. I, I was right. I know what happened that night. I'm not, I'm not going to say sorry. Ask for forgiveness for somebody that insulted me. Ask, ask for an apology for somebody that hurt me, for somebody that offended me. That's going down on the ladder. I can't go down on the ladder. Paul says, I want you to have this mind that was in Christ Jesus. I want you to have this mind that was in Christ Jesus. And he begins to write out one of the most beautiful pieces of literature of Jesus. The scholars still to this day say that it was a hymn that was well-known in the early church, and Paul included it here. And sometimes they would sing this together, which are verses 5 down to 11. He, he says, I, I want you to look at Jesus, church in Philippi. He goes, I know there's some fights. I know some of the ladies, they're fighting, and I know there's some arguing happening, but, but don't you realize we have an example in Jesus? He goes, don't you get it? Can't you see it? It's who you've been serving. It's who you've been worshiping. Jesus, he was at the top of the ladder. Jesus, oh, he had all the status, all the fame, all the glory, and all the honor. Jesus was at the top of the top. Jesus was in eternity past, present, and future. The Bible says he has angels around him to sing, holy, holy, holy. In the beginning of time was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was God. Jesus was God at the top of the ladder. Jesus was God. He was all the way at the top. And I'm not going to get up here for safety, but he was all the way at the top. He had it all, owned it all, could do whatever he wants. And he didn't look down on humanity. He didn't say, serve me. He didn't look down on humanity and say, figure it out on your own. He didn't look down on humanity and say, hey, I hope you're okay. Hope you can make it to see me one day. Have a good life. The Bible says that Jesus began to let go of his rights. It says he had equality with God, yet he didn't hold on to that. In the Greek, he said that he, he let go of the grasp that he had. He opened his hands and he began to climb down the ladder. This is Jesus coming down for you and for me. Come on, can we be honest this morning? None of us deserve this. None of us could do anything to earn this, but Jesus and his love toward humanity said, you know what? I, I'm not just going to be in heaven. I'm not just going to be part of the Senate. I'm not just going to be a plebeian. I'm not just going to be, be one of the regular citizens that has all these rights. Paul begins to say that Jesus, he let go of all of his rights, step by step. And, and Paul says that he became a slave to all. He, he didn't just go down to the bottom of the ladder. He, he got under the ladder, and he became a servant of all. Paul says, church, I want you to be like Jesus. I want, you, I, want to have, you, I want you to have this mind that was in Jesus. I heard a preacher say that if you want to have the mind of Jesus in your head, you need to get the word of Jesus in your heart. Let's look at Jesus. Let's get his word and, and let's say, Jesus, how, how did you function? How did you operate? Why am I still holding on to this argument? Why am I still holding on to this unforgiveness? Why do I walk around with bitterness? Some of us, we walked in here this morning. Let's be honest. And there's still grudges in our heart. There's still resentment in our heart. There's still anger towards somebody in our heart. And Paul is saying, let it go. If Jesus came off the ladder and became a servant to all, then forgive all, love all, serve all. Because it's the only way to live with true happiness is being a servant to all. (laughs) Church. Last but not least, you can write that down. We can come down because Jesus, He climbed down. What what do we need to climb down off of this morning? What what, circumstance and situation? Somebody approached me right after the first service and said, As soon as you said that, I had to text somebody and ask them for an apology. Some of us were in here this morning and we got something in our heart that it's a grudge, it's something that's bothering us, something that we can't let go of. Maybe right now it's in your marriage. And you're in the middle of a mess in your marriage. You're going to say, man, it's all because there's some pride in the way. Maybe right now it's in a relationship. Maybe right now it's with your mom or mom with a daughter, mom with a son, or son with a daughter, or son with a mom. Maybe there's some family issues going on. Paul says it's not worth it. Be like like Jesus. Be like him. We have the greatest example. We're going to be a church that makes a difference in Miami. You know how it's going to be? Not like being by like, not being like Calvary, it's being like Jesus. It's not by lifting up our name, it's by lifting up his name. It's by saying, wait a minute, you know what Jesus did on the night of his arrest? He got down to his knees and he began to wash some feet. That was the lowest of the lowest of what you can do. He he gave up his rights. This morning, what, what rights do we have to let go of? No, this is my right. This is what I, I I I have a right to be upset. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to not forgive that person. We've all been there. You can be mad at somebody, angry at somebody, harbor unforgiveness. But I think this morning God is calling us to let it go. The same way Jesus let go of glory, can we let go of hurt? Can we let go of unforgiveness? Can we let go of status? And can we become a servant of all? beautiful thing about this is that the Bible says that God will exalt the humble. And those who exalt themselves, God will humble. It says that Jesus, he humbled himself. And because he humbled himself, Paul says, because he humbled himself, God has now exalted him to the highest heaven. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, he is Lord. God will exalt you. You don't have to worry about exalting yourself. You don't have to worry about climbing the ladder on your own. You serve somebody. You go down and you begin to wash some feet. God will begin to lift you up in due time. But let us first get down on our knees. Let us serve somebody. Let us follow the example of Jesus. He says, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. I want to pray for some people maybe in here that you don't have a relationship with God. The Bible says one day every tongue and every mouth will con- confess that Jesus is Lord. The question is not will you. The question is when will you confess him as Lord. You can either do it now or you can do it in the afterlife. And you, me and you, we're going to stand before God the Father one day. And we're going to see that Jesus is Lord. When every eye closed, every head bowed all across this auditorium every eye closed every head bowed for privacy and concentration if you're in here for for the first time second time or maybe you've been coming for a while and you say Alex I don't have a relationship with God I'm far from God I'm actually messed up man if you if you only knew some of the things in my life I've done some wrong I made some bad decisions and and I don't know how you ended up here this morning but I want to tell you it is not a coincidence I really believe that God brought you in here with a purpose and with a plan he wanted to remind you that he loves you. As the whole church is praying or as leaders are praying, we love you, we're here for you. All of us at one point, we had to make this decision, and it was to start a relationship with the God who loves us. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not upset at you. Some of you are thinking, well, God must not want anything to do with me. I want to tell you he wants everything to do with you. Alex, but you don't know what I've done. i am messed up. I've done some things. Maybe even last night. God doesn't care what you did last night, last week, or last year. He's in love with you and he's waiting for you to come. He has his arms open wide. The Bible says that sin separates us from God and all of us are sinners. You and I, we've sinned, we've failed God in one way or another. We've cheated, we've lied, we've had bad thoughts, we've done things that we shouldn't have done. And sin came to separate and to destroy. But God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to come and repair, restore, to heal what was broken. The Bible says that Jesus came and he grabbed all of your sin, my sin all of our guilt all of our shame the Bible says that Jesus carried it on his shoulders he went up on a cross and he died for our sins Jesus died on that cross and he paid a penalty that you and I can never pay for our sins the Bible says they laid him in a grave and he was in a grave for three days but after three days he defeated sin and death I want to tell you Jesus he's alive he's the answer he's the hope you've been looking for he's the answer you've been searching for today you can have a brand new beginning and a brand new life And it starts with a relationship with the God who created you. While the whole church is praying, eyes closed, head bowed. If you're in here, you're saying, Alex, I want to make a decision to start a relationship with Jesus. I need a brand new beginning. I need a brand new start. I've been been searching on my own, but I've been trying to figure it out on my own. But I know I need a relationship with this God. I need forgiveness of sins. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I just want you to raise your hand for a moment. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. In fact, all I'm going to do is see you, and then you can put it right back down. You're just saying publicly, I need a relationship with Jesus. I want forgiveness of my sins. At the count of three, you raise your hand wherever you're at. One, two, three. Raise your hand across this auditorium. Amazing, amazing. Raise it high. As high as you can. Raise it as high as you can. Hold it up for a second. God bless you. 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 A bunch right here in the middle. God bless you to my left. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else, you raise your hand. God bless you. Awesome. Best decision ever. God bless you. Anybody else, you raise your hand as high as you can. If you're listening on the radio or watching online, you can make this decision as well. You're just saying, I need a relationship with God, my Father. We're going to say a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. I want you to say this with all you got. I really believe that God is here in this moment. He's going to give you a brand new beginning and a brand new start. In fact, all of us, we're going to say it together with you out loud. All we're doing is talking to God. He's here and he can't wait to hear from you. Say this and repeat this with me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Come on, tell him, Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am forgiven, I am saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.